0: Film, 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 fire club.
1: Welcome to Film Fire Club with our nifty new intro. We recorded that ourselves.
2: Yes. Did you tell? <laughs> yes, so yeah. much baritone.
1: Yes, we're very DIY here. This is Glenn Falcon's dad from Falcon's Green, and we're joined by Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Hello. Baritone and freelance writer and critic for Ratne Rue. Hello, everybody! Now this is a show I've been very looking forward to because we are talking. This is Film Fight Club, and we need to talk about films we can fight about. And we are talking about the most fightingest film of the year. <laughs> Mother. Mother,
0: it's Mother. Uh, pretty much as loved or hated as you can get. <laughs> Mostly hated, but, but all right. we'll be uh, we'll be getting to that in a bit. But <laughs> we will. We will also be getting to Kingsman.
1: Yes, the sequel to Kingsman: The Secret Service, the Golden Circle. <laughs> Hashtag Colin Firth is still the
2: sexiest man alive but
1: first but first we are talking about the film that is out tomorrow and the that... actual battle the actual fight yes battle of the sexes the historic event starring emma stone and steve carell and we are all film fans here but And we like sports too but there's one person who loves sports but also loves tennis a lot and i was sitting next to him in this
0: movie and he he was getting into it (laughs) i was a bit further down the aisle but i could see he was he was like pumping his fists and cheering with the fifth film yeah you are having fun in this movie oh
2: I i had a lot of fun okay this has been my dream i think i've always wanted a out and out tennis movie and even though there was not a lot of tennis in this movie, whatever, however much tennis was there, I was enjoying it. I mean, it had tennis with wooden rackets. That is real tennis. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a tennis purist. That's how real tennis was supposed to be played, with wooden rackets, with proper technique. And boy, every time they played, oh, I was like, yes, backhand, yes, forehand, put it in the gap. And I was with them. Okay,
0: so score one for <laughs> historical accuracy. But was it a good film?
1: <laughs> yes, but to explain what it is first, uh, it, this is the historic battle of the Sexes with Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs back at a time uh, where there, there still is not sports parity, parody, we should say. Back at a time where there was a very strong disparity between the way men and women were paid and treated in sport. Uh, Actually, it still is in the tennis
2: world. There is still a big disparity. Wimbledon in of-
0: didn't pay equal until 2007. Yes, yes. so uh, a lot of what Billie Jean King was fighting for took you know decades, decades to be implemented. Um but yeah this in this movie she essentially plays a exhibition match to shut up the trash talking Bobby Riggs who will not stop spouting male chauvinist trash.
1: And this is Emma Stone's first adaptation of a live story. It just features a number of real characters including Australia's own Margaret Court, a number of big tennis superstars. We don't, we
2: don't talk about her.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> We've disowned her. And, She's no longer part of Australia. And yeah, this is... I've got, I got to agree with what you said earlier. This is... I'm going into this expecting a sports film and there wasn't a lot of tennis. I mean, usually sport is an analogy or metaphor for something else. Usually the film is just about the sport. But here, this was very much a human drama, which incidentally had some tennis. Well,
0: tennis was basically, as you say, it was just a means to get Bobby Riggs to shut up and for um, Billie Jean King to achieve some kind of self-actualization. There isn't much tennis, but there isn't... Even though it's a character drama, I didn't think there was that much character either. I don't feel like I really knew... um, Billie Jean King beyond that she's a lesbian and she wants women to be better represented in tennis. I didn't feel like I really got to know her for all the time we spent with her.
2: I I sort of agree with Chris because it's ironic that the film tried to represent Billie Jean King as more than just a stereotypical representation of what the film would say, a woman's libber, you know, and wanted to actually present her character in a much more holistic way. But I don't think the film did that. I in mean, the film did become one of those issue-based films that uh, even Freeheld became. And, you know, a lot of those films that basically the issue... Yeah, the so issue is the main point main point and just kind of hammers it down through your throat a bit
1: but issues films work where you have characters to the ground now here there are two characters we got to know very well Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King and a third I think we'll fairly say was Billie Jean's husband who was quite well developed but everyone else in the film they were really passing characters the Sarah Silverman character appeared entirely
0: about a yeah, third of the way into was the she? film I don't know
2: it's, it's ironic because Sarah Silverman I mean she plays Gladys Hellman who was the founder of World Tennis Magazine a you really know important figure no. except her title
1: is never mentioned. We don't even know who Sarah Fulton was playing in the entire film, which is so weird. And we yeah. don't know a lot of the characters. I mean, there are many people who are referenced or shown, but they don't really come very strongly. And a lot of it, Look, is, a lot of history, is condensed.
0: The one character who I think is is really interesting in this because I think a lot of the characters even if we do get to know them like Billie Jean King in here is not that interesting I think the movie doesn't really you know like get into her personal politics beyond just that she stands for something she's more of like a symbol than a person who's like really politically motivated yeah, it's, it's, movie it's is...
2: ironic because the film tries to represent yeah, her as something more That's right. but in doing that it's it not... reduces her to just a punchline
0: that's exactly it it's not really a deep dive into the issues it's a very sort of shallow surface level ish- movie and um I found Bobby Riggs like he's a he's a bad person, but a very interesting character because Steve Carell is hilarious, but um you know his side of the movie doesn't really lead it anywhere. it just kind of bogs it down, even though he is interesting. So I found the movie kind of confused as to where it should spend its screen time
2: in in that sense, I was really, really happy and almost surprised how much Steve Carell was able to bring to the table on a what would be a superficial character. Bobby Riggs, there's not much to like about him, but Carell almost makes him a sympathetic pathetic character. Yeah, definitely. If, if that makes any sense, because he is able to bring forward aspects of his personality, which I wasn't aware of, definitely, and makes him much more multidimensional than Billie Jean King is in this movie.
1: And I think we've touched on the two things that, I think we all have, took a lot of issue with this film, but there were two things that were really dooming about it. Number one, the performances. Um, they were both phenomenal, the two main leads, and more of a, they looked spot on like they
0: yeah. did. Yeah, the, the production the design is stunning. Okay, it's this, phenomenal. Yeah, this, yeah, this film because-
2: is right out of the 70s and... the uh- detailing of that is fantastic.
0: And it's a pretty broad um, spectrum that they're portraying, you know, because you see a lot of media. um, You see also all different aspects of the 70s. And it's it's all depicted very well. It's not just like a pastiche, like something like American Hustle, where it's all being played for laughs. It seems very period accurate. My big issue with this film is it has a kind of light comedic tone, but it's not that funny. So, and all the drama seems to have had the edges sort of sanded down in order to achieve this kind of lightness of tone. So it felt like a drama that's not that dramatic and a comedy that isn't that funny. Um, it just seemed... It, it goes down smoothly. It's a pleasant, enjoyable watch, but I... Was left wanting something with more punch.
1: But the story, while it's interesting, isn't necessarily conducive to dramatic film. I mean, a lot of many people will know the history, or have read about it, going to this film. But the fact is, the way the fu- the match, the battle actually plays out, is not at all conducive to dramatic film. It's not at all conducive to tension. Many other historic sporting events are um, the recent. Uh, Super Bowl match is a case in point and probably will be an adaptation of many films to come. This is something, as interesting as it is, was not something you can necessarily translate so well to dramatic action film.
2: I, I entirely disagree, Glenn. In fact, uh, the actual I think battle... It worked. The actual battle is something which is so significant and what it represented, not only back then, but what it means today. I mean, you have organisers of tennis tournaments today saying that women tennis players are riding on the coattails of the men, that Federer and Nadal are driving the tennis pro tour. You have, in 2016, the then number one tennis player Novak Djokovic saying women do not deserve equal pay. And then he had to backtrack and justify that he didn't actually mean that. So a lot of these sentiments are still there about people thinking that women can't compete with men on the same terms. They can't play five sets and they have to play three sets. They're not as enjoyable to watch that they basically do not bringing the same amount of fervor and entertainment value.
1: And I, I actually agree with everything you said there. The politics of this were played out really, really well, and they were played out well in the lead-up to the film. As I said, as a drama, it is interesting. But the actual match itself, there are way, the way it evolved game by set by point, uh, it the media, could have been I, interesting, but the thing is, the way it was done, um, it wasn't con- that dramatic It's more tension.
0: about the media spectacle. I think the film could have been more effective if it had been even more zeroed in on Billie Jean King and putting you in her headspace. I think that could have been pretty dramatic. This is
1: the thing, the tennis only came in at the very end. And when they try to make it interesting and engaging and on the edge of your seat, you couldn't be because there was no real lead up. Even the Margaret Court match, they didn't show that much of
0: it. Yeah. It's, but, a, it's a, uh, a foregone conclusion of a movie, though. That's the, and yeah. they didn't really do enough to put us in the situation where we could look past that we know what's going to happen.
2: I mean, even though I am a huge tennis fan, I will have to admit, sadly, that this was not even a tennis movie. This was very much a attempted biopic of Billie Jean King, which doesn't even do justice to her life because. Frankly, her personal life and what has transpired in her life is way more dramatic than what is represented in the movie. Her, you know, personal partnerships are sugar coated, and honestly, the way her partnership with Marlon Barnett is represented in the movie very sugar coated. It's yeah. very sugar coated. If you read up and what actually transpired, there's a lot of drama there, a lot of heartbreak and. We know that there is something that needs to
1: be done justice. Well, it seems that this may be the subject of many more biopics to come. I would sure definitely watch them. Battle of the Sexes is in cinemas tomorrow. We'll be back after the break talking about mother. Stay tuned.
2: Oh, mother, dear, please listen.
1: And that was The Police with Mother, a song you could be forgiven for thinking was Cheap Trick. Well, that's what I thought about this movie. What a cheap trick. Mother, eh? Oh, Shots Fired. Yes, we are talking about Mother, the film that got an F on cinema score. And which, More
2: like F-U on my School.
1: <laughs> which other critics have said is one of the best films of the year. Now, there were some pretty diverse, pretty strong opinions represented at the Film Fight Club jury. And Chris is up first, who I saw this with. And yeah, you thought it was quite the movie.
0: Yeah, um, for listeners who aren't aware... Um, This movie has had a lot of secrecy in its marketing campaign, but um, without spoiling too much, basically it's about a woman played by Jennifer Lawrence who's married to a poet played by Javier Bardem, and one day a bunch of mysterious strangers arrive at their house, which is isolated in the middle of nowhere, and without consulting with Jennifer Lawrence's character, the poet simply allows them to walk into his house and devotes more and more of his time to them. And later on, more and more guests arrive, and th- the film goes into some extreme directions, which I think would be better for our listeners that I don't go into too much detail about. I really like this film. I was surprised by that, because I find Darren Aronofsky to be a very, at times, clumsy, very hit-and-miss director. And in this movie, he's still showing a lot of those same impulses that have... Uh, Caused me to take issue with his work in the past But I think he's reached a level of self-awareness to compare this to black swan Which was the last time and the only other time that he's really delved into um, Psychological thriller and horror territory that film I found to be absurdly over-the-top to an extent that I was laughing at the film whereas in this film He's again entering that absurd over the top territory, but at least seems aware of what he's doing now, so he allows the audience room to laugh at the absurdity with little touches of black humor to let you know that he knows he's making something completely ridiculous. I find in the complete ridiculousness of this movie, there's a lot of fun to be had. I was really entertained by the extreme lengths that the film goes to. There's some really bizarre and over the top images that come to define the film. You, um, It's pretty much impossible to see where this film's going before it goes there. And boy, does it go there. But why did you guys not like it? I'd like to hear some more.
1: Well, I think the film was, in that sense, indiscernible. I find it fascinating if people have referred to it
0: or try to justify it, I think, more in my view, as a comedy. Uh, this film, as Chris oh, said... I, I'd, I'd just like to respond to that. I don't think it's a comedy, but I think it has moments of black humour and moments where the absurdity is allowed to be construed as funny to some degree.
1: I think it's still a, pre- a very dark, heavy watch overall. Yeah, I think there were a couple moments like that, but this wasn't a comedy no, in and any No, it's not a sense. comedy. This at least started out ostensibly as a horror film a la Rosemary's Baby, and certainly it was marketed as such. And this would have been fine if they'd stuck with this theme. But about a third of the way into the film, it switches, and the is it happening, is it not happening, is completely gone. That suspense, the one redeeming element of the film for me, uh, which was great, is gone in favour of this absolutely absurd, allegorical, metaphysical, metaphorical tale. And if... Aronofsky had gone full pelt, like like Fellini in Fellini's Satyricon. Sure, it would have been fine, but th- this is what he what he did. You can take biblical allegory, you can take all these great mythical stories, and you can tell individual ones. You can't tell them all, and he tried to literally pack epochs of ideas and theology into one very short movie. It's cluttered. It does not work. Some of the metaphors, when you see them, some, okay, fairly, quite interesting. I did enjoy it in parts, but mostly they knock you over the head and it is not engaged in that way. It is not fun. And a horror film, when a horror film works, the characters don't tell you what they're about to do. They don't tell you what they're thinking. And in pursuing the allegorical essence of the film, in that sense, the characters do that. And as a drama, in a sense it what is what it mostly is, it is absolutely frustrating. The actors are good um, and, the, and the set, sure it's fine, but the overall push of the film um, he tried to put way, way too much into this and it was just way too much to handle. I think he went too over the top, but I'm curious to see what Varad has stand to get the discussion going.
2: Alright, uh, let me compose my thoughts and see if I can get this out uh, in some kind of non-rage verbalization if, if possible. Alright, firstly, I, I think the biggest problem with this film is that it is totally inconsistent. For the first half, majority of it, it feels like it's a Roman Polanski family drama. It's a very slow burn and that kind of familial suburbia of this couple who are living outside is disrupted. And you kind of feel like that's the tone of the movie. But then in the second half, and especially in the last act of the film, that completely goes out of the window. So I kind of felt... Aronofsky had no control over the kind of story he wanted to tell, and that I felt cheated as an audience member that you wanted to tell me firstly one kind of story and then he completely changed the rules and then tell me an entirely different story.
0: Isn't that called good storytelling? No, I can tell a lot of not necessarily, but what I'm hearing from Barat, I don't think in this in this context is necessarily a bad thing. He pulls the right, you know, the movie is clearly with the way that the camera is constantly behind. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence's head, meant to situate you in her worldview. And I think the movie is trying to simulate in its tonal shift the way that the rug is basically pulled out from under her as the film progresses.
2: All right, all right. Uh, I'll get back to that, but but because you raised Jennifer Lawrence, I thought she was terribly miscast and also a terrible actress in this film. I thought uh, her performance did not justify... The nuances that were supposed to be brought in from a facial expression to which she has none. I don't think she has any facial expression. She has only one facial expression throughout the entire film, which is her being nonplussed and looking out of place. And that kind of works for a while, but after a while, it
0: really started grating. I thought, I thought she was pretty intense towards the end.
1: Yeah, I feel in like a film that doesn't gel too well, to have, it's, as one of its very few interesting aspects, a lead who actually, in the few moments where it was frightening, and there were sparing moments where it was frightening, actually appear frightening. And again, the actors in this film, we haven't mentioned several of them, Ed Harris, Michelle Pfeiffer, Dom Hall-Gleeson, Kristen Wiig, strangely rocks up for a couple of minutes. Yes. And they're all great actors, and they're all, you know, in, in their own way, very well cast, but they they there almost nothing. They're nothing at all. I mean, Don Paul is there for two or three minutes, if at all. Kristen Wiig just pops in and was like, oh, I'm on set today. Maybe I should do something I for don't think movie. That's,
0: I don't think that's a problem with the movies, though.
1: All right. Uh,
2: getting back to, actually, the allegorical point, because that's also one that was raised uh the idea that is kind of biblical allegory or it is an allegory about an artist's lifestyle or perception of how uh, they can only create and take and take and take and cannot give anything back or even an allegory about familial suburbia and the need for protectionism and actually somehow a social comedy a social satirical
0: i think it's all of these things
2: exactly but still none of these things And that's my problem. You say it's all of these things. I say it's none of these things because none of these threads are ever, ever actually explored in any kind of reasonable manner. And the fact that uh, you are allowing the audience after a while to just somehow take away pure shock value and nothing else, kind of really grated me the wrong way.
1: Yeah, the entire film felt like the second act of the party, if the party was, or Project X, if they weren't trying to be funny. That is not something a director would not want to go for. It's not a film people, including myself, would necessarily want to see would seek
0: out. For me, I think this is just a a difference in perspective because what he described is, for me, actually a strength of the film. I like that... um, you know I think the film would be better if the allegorical na- in my opinion, if the allegorical nature was a little more submerged in the narrative because there 's a point where it crosses over into only being able to be read as a narrative and so emo- uh, sorry as an allegorical narrative as opposed to you know yeah. anything literal and as a result of that, it becomes harder to engage emotionally with the film outside of a few moments that I found weirdly touching um, for the most part, it becomes hard to engage emotionally and it becomes an intellectual exercise of okay, what are you trying to tell me, Aronofsky. But um, if a movie is going to play only to allegory, I'm happy if it allows me the room to interpret it in a number of ways. And I think, fortunately, the movie, is, if it's going to go in that direction, is broad enough um, that it speaks to a lot of contemporary issues and different people will take different things away from the film. So it becomes a very good conversation piece. After I saw it, there were a lot of different ideas about what, what comes from this movie being thrown around.
2: I would agree that this film will definitely gets you talking. If if that is the intent of the movie, then it does succeed. But I would question whether the intent was anything intellectual or just a self-serving, uh, indulgent exercise. Because I think none of the characters were fleshed out to the extent that they represented characters. Like Chris said, they become concepts. They basically become abstract concepts, that is and true. it becomes really hard to care about any of them. Javier Bardem, a fantastic actor, but There is nothing. He's not a three-dimensional human being in this. He's just purely a cerebral concept
1: don't know anything about him. I mean, the whole film is about, well, he, the whole story is it's about this him. guy and his story. We don't know anything about the story he's writing. We don't know anything about the world outside. And they throw images. They throw ideas at you. The characters themselves are not named. And this may be deliberate. This may be an idea to impress a whole worldly. you can th- who say these people are whoever you want them to be. But it's another way of saying obviously, this is an allegory. But, I think. but you, at the same time, you can't identify with them if you don't know who they are, where they're from. This film is in. Is Extensively set in the modern day, in some senses
0: it's timeless, but you want a film that is at least some, in some senses grounded. I think the, the, there's only one person you're meant to identify with in this movie, and that is um, Jennifer Lawrence as the mother. I think everyone has um, been in some place at some point in their life where they can identify with her. It's a movie about people taking more than they're entitled to and crossing the lines of social conventions of politeness. It's a movie that says that at some point, sometime, people are going to um, be rude um, beyond what you can conceive of and are going to screw you down.
2: I agree, but at the same time, there was nothing in Jennifer Lawrence's characterization that made me feel any kind of empathy towards her she is just a very weak character who just refuses to stand up for herself or actually has any agency in this situation or refuses to exercise any it's a agency. movie about a
0: person without agency yeah yeah,
2: but and also it's ironic that it's directed but, by Aronofsky because that's his kind of forte I, about female I, characters having no agency
0: I think he tried I, sorry I think her character tried to um Change the situation, but was basically powerless in here. I wouldn't say that she. I don't think doesn't, she's
2: powerless. She, she's she powerless in the sense that she willingly gives up her agency. She w- yells at people him. to
0: leave constantly. The problem is just that she's up against forces that are so overwhelming. That there's not much you can do. Which are in
1: no sense relatable. I mean, if this was a film about someone who uh, was at a f- pivotal stage in her life and people would come in and try to shake things up, things were difficult, things were jarring, that could be engaging. There are plenty of films like that. Rosemary's Baby, again, is yes. a film that is like that to a great extent. This was not. This was not a situation that you can in any sense relate to. And as it gets more and more absurd, looking towards the end with something absolutely crazy, something that goes beyond the bounds of even the conventions set within this film and then builds and builds upon it. But- Things. I mean, you I mean, the, the way engage. the way
2: people as characters react in this movie is not realistic. That's that's not what people would react to. In any, even if it is an exaggeration, it is so much of an exaggeration that it becomes a mockery.
0: I think the way that um, this movie goes so far that Glenn was talking about um, is I, it's just again a difference in perspective because me there's so much joy in watching a filmmaker so willing to go completely over the top. Movies today, make, making today is so safe. Here is a guy who really does not care and is going out on a limb. He's, he's making something that even ex- ex- extends past his abilities, which is the, the biggest flaw of the film. He can't quite nail these the tonal yeah. shifts, but it's still fun to watch the, anybody trying, in my opinion. But it's not the tonal shifts that he can't nail, it's these stories. He jumps from
1: lore which people will know, to to more to more to more. He deals, Steinbeck, John Steinbeck, one of my very favorite authors, took one of the concerts in this film, in East of Eden, drew it out over an amazing six hundred page novel. He tries to do it with the same thing in a matter of maybe six pages of dialogue yeah. less and then jumps to something else and something else. You can't condense that sort of history into something this for night. It does not work.
2: The film, after a point, feels like, you know, one of those ideas that you have about opening a bar at 2 a.m. at night. And except you think about it in the morning and you think, wow, that was a terrible idea, except you make a movie about it. So, this is what the film felt like to me, where a lot of these ideas were great ideas at certain points in time, except none of them were fleshed out.
0: I think it's a movie that, since it's so conceptual, even if you look at it in the cold light of day, it does look ridiculous, but I can also admire the ridiculousness of it. I won't say I haven't enjoyed not just this conversation, but a number of the
1: ones that have taken place around this film because it is a discussion piece. And it absolutely, be a discussion is. piece for years to come. As with the marketing, which I think hasn't necessarily done this film justice. It
0: doesn't. No, tell people you- people think it's a horror film. The thing is, it's outside of the initial um, kind of trick horror uh, horror thriller setup. It isn't really a horror movie. It's more of. It's hard to market it because how often are there just like baroque. Um, orgies of destruction released to cinema screens. So that's what this movie really is. It's not really a horror movie per but, se, but also, as, as, but also, as we recognise the genre anyway.
2: I agree. But also at the same time, what I really appreciated was that it was old school horror and gothic in the way that we haven't come to see. We've really transformed what horror means, that we think it's jump scares and all that thing, but this was really that old school school of George Romero kind of horror.
0: Yeah, and this is also the horror of um, being confronted with with things that you're not ready for and with with things that are very counter to who you are and, and what you want to see in the world. It's that kind of horror. Exactly. Look, look, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, clearly two other people on the show didn't <laughs> yeah. please go and see yeah. Mother yeah so if you want something
1: you're not ready for which uh, will counter to all your conventional thinking Mother yeah. is in cinemas now
2: and then tell us and fight with us about why you're right and we're wrong yes
1: let us know what you think but speaking of Baroque orgies of destruction we saw another film this week that we want to talk about in the last few minutes and that is Kingsman the Golden Circle which is a sequel to Kingsman the Secret Service uh, Eggsy Taringen, Egerton comes back Colin Firth Mark Stronger somehow back in the picture
2: Willis. Joy- Colin Firth is- Back? it's
1: in every he's on the trailer. poster it's in every ad come on <laughs> uh, but now we have new people Channing Tatum, julian moore is the bad guy replacing samuel L. jackson uh this film i've got to say i enjoyed the satire of the first film i enjoyed that it was a shot in the dark and something out of nowhere but this did not have the satirical edge of the first one it's not have many of the amazing characters many of whom are left out of the after the first few frames and I did enjoy some aspects of it. Individual scenes, sure. Overall, this film,
0: yeah, didn't really do it so well for me. It's pretty whatever. I mean, look, for the good, Matthew Vaughan I think, directs action pretty well. Um, towards the end of this movie, there's a cross-cutting um, scene, as you always see, between the two different heroes in different groups, as it seems like every action blockbuster does these days. And this movie did it Better than most, in my opinion. Um, the action's well choreographed. You can see what's going on. It's exciting and fun to watch. It only occasionally crosses too far into CGI ragdoll territory to be effective. Yeah, particularly the opening sequence with the car. Which really reminded much. me of Spider-Man 3.
1: Nothing you ever want to be compared to. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, oh, come on. Tobey Maguire. But uh, that that's, you know, it's a, I guess, for the most part, pleasant enough watch. Like, it's pretty competently put together. Um, there is, it treats women in a terrible way. So that, in which some is way,
2: consistent with the first Kingsman
0: movie, actually. If you think yeah, about but, it. Yeah, but but this movie. Really yeah, goes, last time last yeah. time the um Roxy the main female Kingsman um, you know, got to do some boring thing in space while Eggsy did the fun James Bond stuff. This time she fares worse, and then the movie manages to go even further in one scene that was really inappropriate, I, I feel, oh, and God, could distract yes, a lot yes, from a yeah. lot of viewers' enjoyment of yeah, this. Yeah, look, this uh, film really tries to
1: satirise how James Bond and these other films do treat the female characters, but it goes to... In body, doing that, it yeah. actually, actually
2: treats the female characters worse, which I did not think was possible, but here we are.
1: Yeah, even beyond the bounds of the taste that's set. Look, I mean, the one thing I will say for this film is, if you are an Elton John fan, as I am, I at the great pleasure of seeing him in Wollongong on Sunday night, then Saturday,
2: is a, Saturday, hey hey, Saturday, hey. There's Saturday. a lot
1: of Elton John, a lot of Elton John in
0: this Did, movie. Yeah, yeah, he's a he is kidnapped by the main villain of this. <laughs>
1: but but also.
2: Uh, you know, shout out, Glenn doesn't believe Elton John was in this movie. He was in the movie. He
1: was in the movie. Uh, look, there is a lot of things that a the Elton John does in this movie, which is clearly a stunt double. No, it's I, Elton John. <laughs> I, I,
0: I, I Glenn quoted. doesn't want to believe that Elton John was in a movie this bad. Speaking yes. of how bad this movie is, did you guys find that it was really way too long? It's two hours uh, and yes. 20 minutes.
1: It took two hours to get to the main villain. Yeah. She's just sitting there for a whole yeah, minute yeah, yeah. waiting for the guys and to come up to there's her. There's
0: a moment in the movie where the characters do something really dumb just so you know that things can go wrong you know yes. they make they just so things can go wrong so the movie can go longer and this is at a point where it's already starting to drag so this- that's true the thing is look uh, compared to the first one
2: and the concept and the actual sort of world building of kingsman it was just a breath of fresh air because it was truly a spoof on the spy genre and Bond films because Bond was becoming this serious, kind of mopey character and this brought
0: back the fun of Bond. Speaking of throwback, this film, like the original Kingsman, is in many ways a vehicle for conservative politics. As we saw in that last film, a climate change activist was the villain. This time around it's somebody who represents legalization of drugs and we're left with a very strong drugs are bad message at the end. Just say no. This doesn't affect the film in terms of quality, but I think it's interesting to note. Is Kingsman's number two is in cinemas now. Go see it. Have your own fight
1: about it. We will be back next week with the Adelaide Film Festival director talking about the film festival. Mother is also in cinemas now. Battle of Sex is in in cinemas tomorrow. Do seek it out. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy movies and let us know what you want us to fight about next week. Goodbye. Bye. Good night.